The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to the Miles to Memories podcast. I am Sean Kumi, your host. So happy to have you here today. I'm joined by my co-hosts, Mark Osterman and Joe Chung, and we have a great show for you right now. On this week's show, we're going to talk about a plan of attack if you get under 524, whether you should fly basic economy with children, all about my quote-unquote free disaster of a stay at Atlantis Bahamas, rapid fires, and a lot more. If you're new to the show, consider subscribing. We support all podcast platforms, and you can find all of the links at mtmpodcast.com. That is mtmpodcast.com. And if you like the show, please consider leaving us a review. We really, really love to hear your feedback. It helps us reach more people. Tell a friend. Let everybody know about the Miles to Memories podcast. Time for the show. Hey, Mark. How's it going? Good. How are you doing today? Doing all right. Been hanging out here in New York City, walking around. I think I've walked like 50 miles in the last four days. It's been incredible. Had a great time. That's why everybody in New York is thin. Yes, there's a lot of walking or or going into the subways. but And most subways don't have escalators either, so you have to go up and down a lot of stairs, which is good exercise. Yeah, it's always a workout for sure when you're there. And speaking of stairs, I have you heard of this uh, vessel, which is kind of by the Hudson Yards near the High Line? It's a new kind of art installation thing that's like eight stories tall and it's all stairs. Have you heard of it? Yeah, I had heard a little bit about it, but I had not seen it or been to it until I saw your picture. So it looks really cool. Yeah, it's really cool. It's basically like interlocking stairways that go up like eight stories and it has a view of the Hudson River. I think it's near like 34th Street and uh, Hudson Yard. So it's right kind of on the northern end of the High Line. Yeah, it's really a, a cool thing and it's free. They do have like the ability if you don't plan ahead and you just show up and they don't have any more time tickets that you can buy a ticket for $10 and just go anytime. But basically, if you plan ahead uh, in like in the morning, you can grab time slots for that day or even the day before and it's completely free to go up there. It's really, you know, really a cool structure. They even have a an elevator built into it that kind of goes up at a curve to kind of go with it for disabled people so everybody can actually enjoy it. Yeah, if anybody's in uh, New York, that's highly recommended, really cool cool and something that's new to do do you have to get the uh the tickets from like do you have to go to the location to get the tickets or can you do them online yeah you can do them online if you actually just show up there they have like a qr code you can scan that'll bring you to the website but yeah you can just google the uh, vessel nyc website and they have uh like a online scheduling app and i don't i mean it's, it's completely free which is cool i don't know if that's a permanent thing that they're going to do or if at some point they're going to charge because this is a pretty robust structure. It's, I'm sure it costs quite a bit of money to build. Of course, that neighborhood is really cool because you can go up the vessel and then you can walk the High Line after that. Yeah, hit like Chelsea Market and all that right there. Yeah, there's all kinds of crazy uh, cool things to do in that area. So I was really happy about that. Also finally got to Roosevelt Island, which is something that I had been wanting to do for a long time. And uh, I think my pictures came out significantly better than yours. No, but, uh, <laughs> mine weren't in the winter, so I already got a one up on that. I have like yeah. sunset pics. But, and yeah, all but you stuff. didn't get the uh, the RI with the uh, with the Roosevelt Island tram above it. And I think that's the that's slow the, clap for that one. Way to go! Yes, absolutely. 
<laughs> but yeah, Roosevelt Island is cool. It's been on my bucket list for a long time, that tram. And, you know, it's really cool because we actually didn't even know. We t- it t- all it is is like a regular metro fare. And we actually took the subway down there. And actually to ride the tram was like a transfer on the subway. So we didn't even have like to pay anything extra to ride it. So I thought that was really cool. Yeah, the subway is a lot quicker to get there or get back, but the tram, you get all those views and everything. So that's my, yeah. my preferred way to do it. But Well, yeah, we took the subway down. To, uh, I should clarify. We took the subway down to near where we could catch the tram. Then we caught the tram. But we didn't oh, actually okay. take the subway to because Roosevelt Island does have its own subway station, but we did not take the subway to Roosevelt Island. But it was a transfer, so we didn't actually have to pay anything more. Our Just our subway fare to the subway stop close to there covered our tram fare across and back. And then there's a free bus on the island that runs in a circle. So yeah, we did that and hung around. It was cold, so we didn't do as much walking around as you did, but it was really cool to see it. Did you guys go to either of the parks or anything like Roosevelt's Park or at the south end of the island? Or did you kind of stay more towards the where the tram was? We took the bus around the island and then we kind of just walked a little bit around where the tram is just because it was really cold and windy and um, it had snowed the, the day before. So it was a little bit a little bit nasty out there, but it was cool to do it. And I highly recommend people do it. It gives you great views of the river, um, the UN buildings near there. So we I had never actually walked over to the UN building some, for some reason. I don't know why. Um, I'd been in that reason, that area many times. So we did that. And today I, my friend who had never been on the Staten Island ferry, we had ridden, we rode that, which I've done before, but. Oh, that's always a good time. Yeah. There's so many free kind of cool things to do in New York city and they keep seem to be building more and more. So like the vessel, that's another new thing. And, and every time I come, there seems to be other cool things. So I really like that. And the other main purpose of our trip was to visit the largest mall in uh, North America, which is American Dream in New Jersey. And uh, that was quite interesting. Yeah. Indoor ski slope. That's kind of like um, the Middle East malls that have all the crazy stuff, bells and whistles. Yeah. Like the Mall of the Emirates in Dubai has a huge ski slope. And I know there's other malls around the world that have it. And that's actually probably the coolest part of this mall. If anybody knows, I think I don't know the exact year that this project started, but that building has been there for 15 or 20 years, something like that. And it's fallen into bankruptcy a bunch of times. And finally, they kind of opened a couple months ago, except they forgot to open with any shops. So... They have a, a theme park. Yeah, exactly. It's the largest mall in the world. And there is one, there is one single shop in it. It's a candy shop. That's that just doesn't out. make any sense. <laughs> it's, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. And they do have a theme park called Nickelodeon Universe, which is mostly open. They have five coasters there. Four of them are open now. Um, that's why we went. But they also have the ski slope. They will have a DreamWorks themed water park that's not ready yet. They have an ice arena that is open. But there are not any shops there. It's just construction walls and like stark white decor everywhere it looks like a hospital and the building's not very attractive and i don't i don't get it but i I do think that hopefully when all these stores open and i think they'll add more color to it and hopefully it will look nice but for now i'm a little puzzled as to why they opened it now because there's just not a lot there to do there wasn't even any restaurants to eat at we couldn't even have lunch there all they had was like two snack carts with like 15 dollar like sandwiches that you would find at 7-eleven or something Oh, wow. And uh, yeah, it was really, really crazy. The theme park, Nickelodeon Universe, doesn't have a lot of charm at all. Uh, not my favorite now place. What, okay. How's the size compared to like Mall of America uh, for the theme park? Is it about the same amount of coasters or is it bigger, smaller? Yeah, and it's owned by the same company. So it's you'll you'll see some com- some sort of parallels between the two. But it's about the same size, I would say, uh, square footage wise. That's just, I would just, just eyeballing it. Um, but the the park at Mall of America has a lot more charm a lot more light, 
Um, well, it, have, it, just, it has stores and food. So that's yeah. <laughs> and Mall of America has stores and food. So yeah, my uh, two friends and I, uh, shout out Dave and Carl. Uh, we had a great time, but, uh, you know, we, we all agreed that there was very little charm to this park, that it seemed like basically a warehouse with rides in it. And uh, that's sort of what it felt like. I don't feel that way when I'm at Mall of America. So so how did you guys get out there from like Manhattan, Times Square area or whatever? Did you take a bus or? Yeah, there's there's actually a bus that runs an express bus that runs direct from uh, the Port Authority bus terminal direct out to American Dream. It's nine dollars each way. So it's not the cheapest ticket, but you don't have a bunch of stops. Bit steep for how close it is. Yeah, I mean, originally I think it was four fifty. That's what the signs we saw and everything. But then when we got there, it was nine dollars each way. It's still cheaper than an Uber with the with the tolls and everything. And like I said, it is an express bus, so you're not stopping a hundred times. It's a quick trip, like fifteen minutes maybe across the uh, river. That's a decent option because there's a lot of uh, hotels right near the mall and, and near the MetLife Stadium. So I guess that's something you could do and just take the uh, bus back and forth to save some money on uh, lodging. That's true. There are some hotels just near there. We had actually considered staying one night there, but then we just decided if, when we were planning the trip, if we were going to be done early, why have all of our stuff at a hotel out there when we were going to do everything else in the city? So we did stay in the city. But like I said, I'm glad I got to experience it. I'm not going to try to trash it too much. I didn't think that the mall was attractive in any way, but I'm going to reserve judgment because like I said, there was zero stores open except for a, a candy shop that's just outside the theme park, but nothing else open. So you uh, you have some exciting news today. You just booked Cathay Pacific. This is your first Cathay Pacific flight, right? Yeah, it is. So I booked JFK to Vancouver. I know it's a, a route that they're going to be canceling in the next couple months. And it's something that I've had my eye on for a few years. I haven't been to Vancouver. I wanted to check it out. And then this is a good way to get uh, on a Cathay flight without having to, to go far off to Asia or anything like that because it just doesn't fit into my schedule right now. So I'm pretty excited about it. Just booked it tonight. It's a couple weeks away, kind of scrambling to find all the flights to position for it and everything. But I'll get it nailed down and get to test it out and say goodbye to uh, the route, I guess. Be my first time doing that as well. Booking a flight just to, uh, to, to hit it before it goes away. You've done that flight quite a few times, haven't you? Yeah, I've flown Cathay uh, uh, in first class quite a few times, but yeah, I've specifically done um, that Van- the Vancouver to New York as part of a, a greater Hong Kong, Vancouver, New York trip twice. So yeah, I've done that kind of west to east. I've never done it east to west. It's a cool way to experience it. It's long enough to really be able to experience their service and their products. So I think it's a great idea. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. So knock it off the list and get it all done. I, I booked it for, uh, I think it was like 51500 British Airways Avios. And uh, I think it was like $20 in fees. So you can't really beat that. No, no, you can't. Uh, you know, you'll have a great time. And yeah, you have anything planned for Vancouver? Nothing as of yet. I put up a post in the Facebook group just wondering if anybody lives in the area or will be there that weekend if they want to do like an impromptu meetup. Uh, check it out in our Facebook group. Let me know uh, something that I can put together. Otherwise, just go to the parks and check out the, the nature. I, I know that one, uh, forget the name of the bridge, but the uh, suspension bridge. I might try to hit that up. That's uh, just outside of downtown. That looks really cool. Yeah, I've been to Vancouver a couple of times. Really cool city. Uh, the vibe there is really neat, very international. And uh, hopefully you get good weather when you're there. And that makes the whole difference. Sometimes it can be gray this time of year, but if you can get a sunny day, uh, it's it's beautiful to see the city and then uh, to go across the water too. I think I've actually gone under. I took a cruise out of there a couple of years ago. I went under that bridge. So I don't know that I ever went on it, but it's, uh, it's a pretty cool place. Lots of things to do. Yeah. If anybody's interested in meeting up and you're in Vancouver, you know, hit up the Facebook group and uh, let Mark know. 
And uh, in the meantime, let's get into the show. And Mark, we're going to start off with you talking about your under 524 strategy. You just, your wife is recently under 524. And so you wrote a post kind of breaking down kind of which directions you can go. Yeah. So everybody, you know, this day and age is trying to get under 524. That's like the biggest uh, bank regulations out there. It's like the initial one, the one that started all these anti-churning rules, I guess you would say. Just naturally, uh, my wife, Kirsten, has fallen under 524. It was partly just because we weren't really applying for a ton. And then what she was applying for was business cards. And then like six, eight months ago, I realized, hey, she's pretty close. You know, I'll just put her on ice and won't apply for anything. And let her drop under. So January 1st, she was technically under 524. You know, there's two two ways you can really go about it because everybody wants to get chase cards as soon as they dip under because you can't get them until you're under 524. The number one thing people go for is the companion pass with Southwest. So they'll sign up for, uh, you know, the Southwest business card and then the Southwest personal card. And that will give them enough miles earned in a year that they can basically earn the companion pass for the year they earn it in plus the next year. So you're almost getting two years of companion pass where you select somebody that flies for free with you, whether it's an award flight or a cash flight. And then the other option is go the ultimate rewards route where you get like an ink preferred and then get like a Chase Sapphire preferred or a Chase Sapphire reserve. So those were the two things we were struggling with. Originally, I was like, oh, companion pass all the way. That's what everybody everybody does. It's it's a great perk of, of travel, like the best domestic thing out there. But the problem is it'd be in her name. She doesn't travel as much as me. And Southwest is terrible out of our airport connections everywhere. Not really all that cheap. So just didn't work for us. So we ended up going the alt rewards route. I know you're a fan of companion pass. You have good um, coverage from Las Vegas. So I'm guessing that's what, where the route you would go if, if you got it. I don't know, Mark, I have a, a great addiction to ultimate rewards <laughs> as, as we all do. <laughs> it's a tough call. And just to back up a little bit. So 524, that's uh, just, if you've opened up five or more uh, revolving accounts in the last 24 months. And so that five in the 524 just re refers to the five accounts. How are you uh, determining? Uh, what, what are you checking? Like Credit Karma? Are you going and checking your credit reports directly? How are you counting uh, to see how many open accounts that you have? Are you tracking it on a spreadsheet? I know people ask that question all the time, so it's good to give them an answer. Yeah, I have a spreadsheet, and then I just actually have like a, a notebook that I write down every time we apply for something. So I have it in both places. And then Credit Karma is another good one, or Credit Report, or just pulling your... I actually haven't pulled our credit reports in a couple of years, so I could do that as well. So there was a are all ways you can check it. Um, but I just went based off of what I'd written down in my notebook. Do you keep like a spreadsheet? Yeah, I keep a spreadsheet and then just kind of, I do check the credit report uh, every once in a while. You can go to annualcreditreport.com and get a free report each year. Um, like like we said, Credit Karma, there's, there's lots of services that'll give you kind of free copies of your report. And then just look at the opening date for each account. And uh, each account that's within the last two years has an opening date within the last two years. That's gonna count towards 524. I think, you know, the companion pass is something that I've had in the past when it was a lot easier to get it and we used it, but I don't feel like we used it as much as a lot of people do. Um, I'm not a huge fan of, of Southwest boarding process. And, you know, I, we have a, right now in Las Vegas, we do have Southwest, but we have a huge explosion of uh, budget carriers like Spirit, Frontier, and Allegiant who are offering direct service to compete with Southwest at a much lower price a lot of the time even when I factor in paying for better seats and stuff like that. So I get that, you know, that it's a sort of a two for one, but I, in, in the past when I had it, I wasn't using it quite as much as I would like. So I think that for me, the, the ultimate rewards route, probably a little bit more valuable, but certainly I would consider, I, I, I guess I, I haven't worked, we're probably coming up to a similar decision for my wife in the next couple months. So I'm going to have to really think it over, but with my loyalty to Hyatt and always sort of 
really chewing through ultimate rewards points and being able to find cheap flights quite often on other airlines. I think that going with the ultimate rewards route is probably the best way to go for us. Yeah. And then the one thing I wrote about like a year or two ago with the companion pass is it kind of like sucks you into making bad decisions almost. We were flying back from a baseball trip with a buddy and I think we were flying out of uh, Kansas City and there was a direct flight on Delta for like 10,000 sky miles round trip or one way on our on our way back. And like, hey, you should jump on this. You know, his girlfriend had gone with us, too. And he's like, well, I have the companion pass. So I'm going to book this uh, Southwest flight because it's only like 10,000 miles. But then I have to pay for the second one. And it like connected and it, it was going to take like two or three times as long. And I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Like, it, it's not that many miles. He's like, well, I got to use it. You know, I have it. So I think it kind of sucks you into making like flying these terrible routings and and all that kind of stuff. I mean, if you live in like D.C. and stuff where there's great coverage, there's no problem with it. But I do see people that take connecting flights over a direct flight that's somewhat similar price. But because they're getting two for one, they go for it. Yeah, and I kind of look at how often I'm flying Southwest now that I don't have the companion pass, which is almost never. So exactly, I'm going to yeah, be... Yeah, I've flown it like once in the last year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I'm going to be... I, I know if I get the companion pass, I'm going to be kind of forcing myself into those scenarios. And again, I don't check bags, so I don't get that benefit with Southwest. So I really... And, and I, when I fly the low-cost carriers, I've had great experiences. So oftentimes, it's much better for us to uh, to fly on you know a Frontier Spirit so yeah, I, I don't see that it's always so good. I know lots of people who like use their companion pass all the time and it's a great value for them. So I'm not uh, poo-pooing it. I just think that it's something people should think about and kind of look at seriously and make sure that it's uh, good for them. And if it is, it's a fantastic deal. If it really is, then you really are getting a value if you fly Southwest all the time anyway. Anything else to uh, you know to mention on this, on your, uh, on your strategy? You're still waiting for a, a decision, right, from Chase? Yeah, she went with the ink preferred and they sent us the letter with like 15 different things they they wanted us to send in. And she just has a uh, she sells essential oils on the side. So it's just a small business. And some of the stuff they had, I'd have to actually like go on and set it up like online, like getting a, a DBA or something along those lines. And I just didn't want to put the effort into it. So I just moved straight on to the, the Sapphire preferred and she did get it automatically approved for that instant approval. So we just kind of moved on from it. Um, she's got another couple dropping off in April, so I'm not too worried about it. We might come back, circle back around on a business card, but it is what it is. I just don't have the time to mess with all that stuff. We're going to move on. And uh, Joe, uh, welcome uh, to the show. You kind of missed the beginning, but... Uh, yeah, sorry about that, guys. No worries. Perfect timing, actually, because we just uh, moved on from talking about 524. We're going to actually move on to talking about basic economy with kids. Have you ever flown basic economy with your kids, Joe? I have not. I still have not even bought a basic economy ticket for just myself. So curious to see what your experience is. And my thoughts on what basic economy is, obviously, now every major airline, uh, with the exception, I guess, of Southwest, has basic economy tickets. They're restricted tickets. Oftentimes, the seating is restricted. You don't even have the ability to buy seats sometimes. But I would also consider low-cost carriers like Spirit, Frontier, Allegiant to be sort of basic economy tickets because you can run into that same issue. You don't get a seat up front. And sort of the whole question on whether you should fly with children is, are you afraid that the kids are going to get split from you? And uh, what does each airline kind of do that do with that? Uh, Mark, have you ever taken your family basic economy and sort of gambled that you're going to be able to be to sit with the, the kids? Uh, no, actually, I booked the first basic economy flight just like a week or two ago to go to Minneapolis to to check out the baseball stadium there. 
probably not watch baseball, Joe, but uh, I'll go check out the stadium. Um, <laughs> There's a lot of videotaping that goes on in a stadium. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, some good news. Bars, I'm sure at that stadium there. So the flight was like 12,000 round trip on Delta, 12,000 sky miles in basic economy and regular and main cabin. It was 18,000 and me my buddy and uh, my son are going to go because I'm going to take them to Mall of America after the game. And I just couldn't justify the extra like 50% increase. And it's a shorter flight. So I actually bit the bullet and uh, book basic economy. I'm kind of curious to see how it plays out. But interesting on Ian's article about flying basic comedy with kids. Somebody commented on there that you can actually still buy the seats and you can pay the seat fee, which sometimes is only like $10. The difference in the fare might be like a $100 difference, but you can still pay for the for the seat fee. So you could actually save money booking it this way, which is an interesting trick that I didn't really realize. And uh, I did a little searching Google Delta, like seven days out, lets you buy the seat, which, you know, if I try to do it now, it won't allow it. But they say seven days out, you can buy the seat. So I'm going to check that out just to see what the prices are. If they aren't bad, I'll do that. If they are, I'll just kind of take the gamble, maybe talk to the gate agent before boarding and see if we can get me and my son together. But if not, he's eight and he's pretty good socially. So I'm not too worried about it. It's a shorter flight. So that's a gamble. I know you did a trip with your daughter in basic economy, right, Sean? Yeah, I flew United Basic Economy and had no issues. Um, I've flown in the last year, I've flown Frontier, I flew Norwegian. I wanted to say that we flew Spirit as a family. And so all of those without seat assignments going in. And um, I do think that some of the airlines on Basic Economy will let you buy seats. Like they said, I think United was the one the person mentioned in the comments there, but some don't let you do that. You say Delta does. So I'm not sure if American does, but the whole idea basically is they're giving you a basic ticket. They want to give you no frills because they want to kind of punish you into buying the better ticket. But I think if you have young children, what you should do is just be diligent. Make sure you check in for your flight right at 24 hours because a lot of times seats go unassigned. So if you're going to check in, kind of show up at the airport and not checked in or not have uh, seat assignments, then everybody else is already going to have a seat. So it's going to be a lot harder to do it. But yeah, I've never had an issue with my daughter being separated on any of these tickets because we're checking in right at 24 hours where the entire plane is empty on seat assignments because a lot of people are buying basic economy and the algorithms tend to seat you together. And I do know like spirit will tend to split people up like adults up on the same. So if two adults book on the same conference, you know, on the same ticket, uh, they will tend to split them up to mess with you to try to force you to buy seat assignments. That doesn't happen <laughs> with children. Good old spirit. <laughs> yeah. And so, and, I, and I'm not quite sure on frontier, but I've seen it actually happen where there's plenty of seats on the plane and two people get split up. Um, so, you know, that can happen. But with children, I've never had that happen. So I don't know. You know, they're kind of secretive about their exact policies with this. But at the end of the day, if you kind of are diligent in checking in and making sure you can do this, you know, and then like you said, it, some of these airlines are letting you buy the seats anyway. So you can buy a cheaper ticket and still guarantee your seats, which is really cool. If all else fails, you can, you know, be really nice to a gate agent and ask. A lot of times they'll do that because it is a safety concern. Remember that, um, you know, that if obviously if a, if a small child is separated from their parent, that's going to create an issue if there's an emergency. And then I guess last uh, thing you can do is ask people to switch. But all I can say is that in my experience, it's never happened where I've been split up and I've done it many, many times. Yeah, I mean, I would not or let me put it this way. I would be no more concerned about my seat assignment with basic economy than I would in regular economy, especially if I'm talking about like American Airlines, which every time I book an American Airlines flight, it's like, oh, every single seat is like preferred except for all the middles. So, you know, it's you're just in the same situation anyway, in terms of seat assignments. The point that I want to add is basic economy only worries me because of 
not because of the seat assignment thing. It worries me because of, you know, the restrictions for changes and cancellations and things like that. You know, I am famously very pro like gardening my reservations. And if I have basic economy, I can't do that. You know, so if it was like two days away or something like that, I'd probably book it basic economy because I know I'm taking that flight. But a couple months away, you know, I just can't guarantee that I'll be on that flight. And then the other thing I would say is I would be worried about basic economy if I was going during like a peak period, say the Wednesday before Thanksgiving or something like that. So, um, you know, that's just kind of my two cents. I'm kind of surprised that they don't make this a law, uh, the seating with the kids like under 10 or under 12 or whatever they want to say. But how is this just from a safety standpoint? I don't know how they haven't enforced this. I know like in Europe and stuff, they have laws uh, based on age. You have to be seated with your with your parent. But yeah, like if there's a crash landing and my son's sitting four rows behind me, I'm going to try to fight against traffic to go get him or to make sure he's with me. You know, I'm not going to just exit the plane. <laughs> and and that's something that, Sorry to laugh. <laughs> that's going to. The concept yeah, is ridiculous. But it, yeah, like, oh, okay, the, the stranger will help him get out. I'm going to go hop off the, this plane right now that's, uh, you know, sinking or whatever. So it's just crazy to me that this goes on and, and nobody does anything about it. I don't know. Well, I know this is a little bit off topic, but what bothers me the most, basic economy or regular economy, is that I feel like the airlines, some airlines at least, are playing a little bit of this game where they're like, oh, they're not very clear that they will seat you with your kids. I think most airlines in general have the policy that at least for like under seven, they will move people to sit you with your kids, but they kind of don't tell you that. So then you're like, oh, maybe I need to pay for these preferred seats just so I can guarantee sitting next to my kids. And I don't like that kind of like obfuscation uh, and lack of transparency. Yeah, that's exactly it. They want to sell seat assignments. They want to get generate revenue. And so they want to make you paranoid about the fact that your kids are going to be separated but in reality, in practice, it doesn't seem to be happening. I haven't heard of any examples in our community of people getting separated from their very young children. So, you know, I guess it just comes down to whether people are comfortable or not. But like you said, the airlines are going to continue to make people think that it's going to happen so they can make you pay for seats ahead of time. Let's move into uh, a topic that I know Joe has wanted me to talk about. I stayed for quote unquote free at Atlantis Bahamas last week. And uh, I would say that out of, you know, I don't know, roughly a thousand hotel stays in my life, I've traveled quite a lot. Uh, it's probably like ranks up there as among the worst that I've ever had, especially when it comes to service issues. Well, uh, could you imagine if you paid? It would definitely be the worst. If you yeah. had paid the full price that they charge? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I mean, something like uh, for the nights we were there, it's rel- it was relatively cheap because some nights it gets pretty crazy. It was like almost, it was $269 for a regular room. On those nights, plus, plus resort plus, fees, yeah, taxes, taxes, so, so about probably 400. like four hundred bucks. Yeah, yeah. So about four hundred dollars a night was the out of pocket cost for the room if I had paid for it. So, so we'll we'll kind of mix in what happened along with some practical advice. Um, but yeah, I, I to start, I booked this the Caesars uh, Diamond member. I get my my Diamond membership through Founders Card, but you can also get it as a match with Wyndham, and we've covered that before on the podcast and also on the website. So you can find out more information with that. And as a Diamond member for 2019 into the end of January 2020. They haven't announced if this is going to be a benefit going forward in 2021, but it's been a benefit for several years now. You get up to four free nights at Atlantis, Bahamas, and uh, that sounds pretty cool on the surface, right? Um, yeah, I, I've thought about going to Nassau just to use it. <laughs> I mean, it's Atlantis. And, yeah, it's, lost it's city. Atlantis, right? It's got to be amazing. Yeah. I was walking through Times Square uh, just uh, a couple days ago, and there's Atlanta's ads everywhere, and it looks so beautiful, and the marketing is absolutely on point. Actually, a couple years ago, my family and I stayed there 
My wife, uh, daughter, and I stayed there. And we discovered, we actually, at that time, we were in what's called the Beach Towers, which is the renovated 1968 uh, sort of two-star motel that they have at the end of the property. It's about a mile walk to where the water park is, and they call, and they consider that Atlantis. And we actually had a good time in the pools and stuff like that. The room was really, really bad, but we didn't have any like significant events. And we sort of just came, uh, swam in the pools, uh, kind of dealt with the room the way it was, and then went home. And I didn't really have any great desire to go back, but we were going to stay at Baja Mar, which uh, we we got a great rate on. And so we were already going to be on the island. So I was like, well, well, maybe we'll just go back to Atlantis again. Our daughter is a little bit older. And this time the offer was for a room in the resort tower, or I'm sorry, in the royal tower, which is the main tower. It's the one that you see in all those advertisements, the one with the big suite that bridges the two buildings together. It looks really cool. And it's supposedly going to be, you know, it's supposedly a much nicer experience and so I was really kind of excited about it, but every time I think about it, the uh, the saying comes to mind, you know, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. I should have learned from my first experience with the really kind of crappy rooms uh, that I probably shouldn't have gone back to Atlantis. Yeah, so let me tell you uh, what happened. We sort of arrived, and then the first morning we wake up, and my wife goes to make coffee, and she goes to the coffee maker, and the coffee maker has used ramen noodles from the previous guest. Yummy. <laughs> yeah, right in, right in the water well. Now I don't know, That's like disgusting. Also, also yeah, uh, good hotel hack, by the way, but disgusting. <laughs> I get that you want to heat up the water, but why actually put the ramen inside the water well? I mean, wouldn't it taste like coffee? Yeah, actually, coffee? the way that yeah. I do it is I heat up the water and then I bring like a separate Tupperware and I just close it up like a you know like a cup noodle. But anyway, sorry. Yeah, and that would make sense, but th- they actually put the ramen inside the water well, and that's what what it was. So we called housekeeping, and they brought up another coffee maker, which was clean and fine. And they would, and even the guy was kind of shocked that this was all in there. And we sort of thought, okay, well, that's that's something, but not really a big deal. And then my wife started making her coffee using bottled water, not not the the hotel water. But you know, ten minutes later, she was going to wash her hands or her face or something, and she goes to the bathroom, and there's no water on in the room, no water at all. And we were like, okay, well, that's weird. And so we call down and they say, well, something's going on, but we can't tell you what it is, but water's turned off right now. So we, you know, we decide, what do you do in that situation? You just kind of take the shampoo down to the pool and wash your hair in the pool. (laughs) Exactly. There's showers out by the pool. So you just take all your clothes out there and you go shower. No, Uh, but yeah, you're Atlantis. You have the whole water park there, all that you know, the slides that go through the sharks, the uh, the cool pools and everything else. So we're just like, well, we'll just leave for the day and go swimming and forget all about that the water shut off. We get down to the lobby and I see managers running around frantically. I see water, first off, dripping all from the ceiling in the first floor lobby, like all over the place. And I see people running around and then I see managers screaming uh, to employees, uh, well, there's four elevators down. There's five elevators in this tower to- all together. And we get off one elevator and they're like, four of the elevators are down. Only one's working. Uh, we don't know what's going on. And yet they continue to let guests use the elevator, even though they didn't know why four of the elevators weren't working. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. Safety first. Yeah. So then I actually, this is when I actually got in contact with their social media team and tweeted them and said, what's going on? Can you please tell me what's going on with the tower, with this leaking, with the elevators being down? And they actually responded. They were going to check on it. And they asked for my room number and my information. And this was around, I think, 11.50 a.m., and, you know, I'll fast forward now five hours later, it's 5 p.m. We're going to our room and uh, we end up, you know, going up to our room. We spent the whole day out at the pool, had a good time at the pool. We go to our room. I take a step in and it's like sclush, sclush, sclush. I mean, our entire room is just sopping wet. 
full of just <laughs> flooded with with musty water and uh pee water pee water yeah, i i don't know what kind of water it was mark no oh, definitely yeah, what was had the some temperature of the water yeah what was the temperature of the water yeah, i i purposely did not touch it's the water not warm, not... it's bad dude yeah. you were wearing crocs in your video so the water touched you for sure it, it did touch me but i did wash. i did wash. Uh, i wasn't crocs it was uh it was keen sandals but yes it, it touched my foot but i disinfected right away i want everyone to know i don't wear crocs yeah <laughs> Uh, Unless they want to sponsor the podcast, in which case, bring them on. And I'll make sure that I go back to Atlantis and film a video of me squishing the carpet with my Crocs on. (laughs) But I mean, yeah, it's just nasty. And now luckily, the front 70% of our room going back was flooded. Luckily, our stuff was all in the back 30% kind of towards the window. So none of our stuff got destroyed. So that was a great um, thing, you know, that none of it got flooded. But uh, at this point, uh, we call downstairs. And they basically tell us that uh, they're gonna that they've already set another room for us, and it's the room that's right below our room and one over. And I'm thinking like, if there's a huge flood here, why would I be in the room basically underneath the one I'm in? Yeah, that's uh, not quite how gravity works. Yeah. Did you ever did you ever see like where the water was coming from in the room? Did you even try to like? No, I mean I think that the water had it had been hours and hours and hours since it had um, come in, and the water was uh, turned back on and everything. I later learned, and I, I, I can I can say this, I later was told by the general manager that the act of actually, so there was a, a huge pipe that burst on the seventh floor, apparently, of the, uh, of the West Tower, and it flooded that entire floor, and so they shut off water to the entire tower, and then the pipes are so old or brittle or something, apparently, in many rooms, when they turned the water back on, it sort of burst even more pipes in a lot of rooms. And that's apparently what happened to my room. Um, that's what I, that's what I was told. But basically at this point I call downstairs and I ask, can I please speak to a housekeeping manager? Can I find out where, you know, can we, can we be moved? And they just say, no, we'll, we'll send a, we'll send a bellman up to move your stuff to this new room. That's right below your room. And we say, no, we want to speak to a manager. And the first person eventually says, fine, I'll, I'll get a manager to come up there. And so we wait in our musty room for like 30 minutes, trying to have somebody come and help us do this. Now, I do wish, the only thing I'll say is it's like a 15, 20 minute walk to the front desk. And I should have probably just gone to the front desk at this point. Although I'm not sure I would have gotten any different result. But um, I do recognize that that probably would have been a better thing than waiting in the room. But we waited in the room and then we call back 30 minutes later. And the first agent had made no notes, didn't send anybody, didn't do anything, just basically lied to my wife on the phone and hung they're up. Probably, they were probably getting like 50, 100 calls, <laughs> I would think. Yeah, but they seemed the very relaxed fun. about the whole situation, as far <laughs> as I could tell. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they were. They didn't, they didn't care. I mean, and, and this is really the sad thing about the service there that I would come to experience. Now, I, this is already a bad situation, but... You know, it's easily fixed. Just move us to a to a room that's not right underneath ours and, you know, apologize and, and it's fine. But um, basically, I, I learned that the employees at Atlantis have just utter disdain for guests. And or at least that's my opinion based on what I experienced. So we call back 30 minutes later and uh, we're told now that the first person never did anything. And then we tell the second person, can you please have somebody come up? And she says, yes, well, I'll send a manager right away. And then 10 minutes later, a bellman shows up or I don't know if it was even probably more than 10 minutes, but it was a bellman shows up. And so she lied to us as well. And, you know, not to draw this out, but it took about two and a half hours before we could get a, speak to a manager um, at the property. This manager finally agreed that they should move us to the other tower, which per, per my request, I said, I don't want an upgraded room. I don't want a better room. I just want a room in the other tower, which is of equal you know value of the room that I'm in. And so they 
said, sure, we'll move you to the other tower. And they actually even have some renovated rooms that they've just started to renovate. And they put us in a renovated room, except we were in an ocean view room. And then so they said, yeah, we're moving you to the other tower. And then they put me in a room that looks the other way. doesn't look to the ocean. So they like downgraded us into a lower category room. But it had fresh uh, paint, man. Come on. <laughs> yeah, it had fresh paint. And uh, it did look nice. Those renovated rooms are certainly nice. The the rooms, the unrenovated so for the rooms, missing uh, keyhole or whatever was that in the new room or was that in the old room? That was in the that was in the new room. That wasn't it. So so anyway, we get the room that has the the crappy view, and at this point, I just sort of lose it. I'm, I, the housekeeping manager is the one who's there with me. I say to her, "Can you please take me to the front desk? I want to speak to whoever's in charge of the hotel, and I would like for you to to escort me there so that I can make sure I get to talk to them because I'm very aware now that no manager that every manager is hiding behind their employees. Nobody wants to talk to guests. None of these managers want to come out. So I, I walk with the housekeeping manager who was the single nicest employee that I encountered my entire time. In fact, the only really nice employee I encountered my entire stay. So I, and I did give her credit when I talked to the, to the general manager later, she brings me to the front desk where I meet the single worst manager I have ever encountered at any hotel ever. I hope that this woman loses her job. I never hope that anybody loses her job. She looks at me. Now, first she comes out and she knows nothing of my situation. She hasn't, nobody's told her anything. So I go through and I start explaining everything that happens. And about every like sentence or two, she stops me and she said, will you be quiet so I can say something? <laughs> she says, you're talking so fast and so much and, 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 I, and I can't you know, do anything. Just please be quiet, be quiet. I'm like, well, you haven't even heard what happened. It's uh, and um, very obvious that she's not listening to you if she thinks you're talking fast, Sean. <laughs> well, I was upset. I'm not going to say I wasn't upset, but I was I, very... I've heard you upset. You, your cadence is never very fast, but anyway, sorry. Yeah. Well, that's good. So yeah. So I'm, you know, I'm upset. I'm huffing. I also told her that I know it wasn't her fault. I always do that. I always try to tell the person that I'm not, it's not personal, right? Unless it is. Uh, but it was, it was about to become very, very, very personal. And so she tells me after she tells me to shut up about 50 times that she's going to do an investigation and call me back in an hour to let me know what's going on. In the meantime, she did move me to an ocean view room, a renovated ocean room, like across the hall, down the hall. And it was a beautiful room as well. But like Mark mentioned, Later on the night, we noticed that the keyhole, like the uh, the peephole was actually missing. So it was just had a, a hole cut in the door and there was no peephole there. So I don't know. <laughs> in case they want to like Aaron Andrews you from uh, back in the day or what? Yeah, yeah oh that's her God. name. Oh my God. Yeah, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, you could, you could literally, uh, and I actually have a picture. Uh, I'll be writing, I have a post about this on the site and I can include the picture of that. You can actually just, it's just a hole drilled in the door where the peephole used to be. I don't know quite what happened to it, but so anyway, so we go to dinner and it's like two and a half hours after she was supposed to call. She claims she called my cell phone, which I had full service in the Bahamas. I have T-Mobile, so it should have rang. She didn't leave a message on my cell phone. I don't believe that she did call my cell phone, but she did leave a message in the room uh, to her credit, I guess. But we came back from dinner. I saw her at the front desk and I walk over to her and I say, you know, you said you were going to call in an hour. It's been two and a half hours. What's going on? And she says, well, uh, we're still doing an investigation. Your room wasn't part of the leak and we don't know what caused it. She's heavily hinting at the fact that she believes that I'm the one who flooded the room. And I said to her, I said, <laughs> I, I, I almost laughed. And my wife was actually sitting across the lobby. And, and she said, all I was doing was like flailing my hands up to <laughs> 
Uh, we need You're having a that. Joe Nordstrom. We need video a of that. Joe Nordstrom freak out. Yes, yeah, so I'm like, I'm like, what do you mean that you're that you're doing an investigation? People that haven't met Sean, he does love to use his hands and his arms when he's speaking. So I could only imagine exactly was, what this yeah. is like. And I and she's looking at me right in the eye, and uh, and and she's telling me this, and she has this evil look in her eye, and you know, and and all I said was, you know, that. That she was just, a, you know, a terrible person that I wanted to speak to. I said, when are you going to finish the investigation? She said, you'll speak to me tomorrow at 3 p.m. when I came in. And I said, I'm not going to speak to you tomorrow at 3 p.m. when you come in. I need to know who the actual manager is going to be here tomorrow. And I'm going to speak to them in the morning. You know, she got a little nervous and I told her, please write down their name and their title. And I made it very clear to her that everything was documented and that they would be hearing about it, but I'm going to backtrack a little bit. So I, I talked I, at 11.50 in the morning. I said I had tweeted their Twitter team and had a direct message exchange when they said they were going to research something. They never did that. But all throughout this entire incident, what I decided to do, and actually, I think this is a great idea for people, and it, I don't even know why I decided to do it, but I decided to continue that direct message exchange with the Twitter team as everything was happening. And what that gave me was a time-stamped uh, notes of every time we called downstairs and they lied to us, every time the manager said something rude when they moved us to the wrong room, when they tried to put us in the room below, everything that was wrong. And it gave me a record of it and it gave them a record of it that was sort of undisputable. You know, Miles to Memories has a, a decent social media following. And um, I think that may have helped uh, a bit. But I went to bed that night after talking to her, I was so upset. I was just like, what is this? What is wrong with this woman? Like, she just wants to just mess with me because the room flooded. I didn't do anything. I didn't flood the room. It's not my fault that their pipe burst. But uh, I wake up the next morning and lo and behold, what do I have? I get a phone call at nine in the morning that the general manager of the hotel, now I, have, I, I was begging to speak to a manager the night before, but the general manager of the hotel wants to talk to me. And it's only because of what I did on social media, which was I started to call them out publicly. Everything that happened, I showed that video you talked about where the, where the water with my so-called Crocs. Where your toes were getting pee on them. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, thank you. Yeah. So I was calling them out on social media and documenting everything factually. So I was doing it both in a direct message to them, but also selectively I was tweeting some of it because there was so much going on. But it was all factual and it all happened and I had documentation of all of it. And only because I had a, a decent social media following and only because I did that did the general manager decide to talk to me the next morning and come and apologize. And he said that you know, he made a bunch of bunch of excuses. He said he was going to deal with the manager. And I decided that it wasn't worth me, uh, you know, ruining my, my, the rest of my trip, I guess. So I just said, okay. And what he offered me was the equivalent of one night in the hotel, the cost of one night as compensation. In the moment, I was just like really trying to get over this, really trying to be positive and move on and, and just enjoy our last day in the Bahamas. I said, okay. And I forgot to ask like what that meant, like how much money that would be. Even then, so I that day our bill, we had a bill for two days resort fee, which is about seventy dollars each day, and like one lunch at at the pool, which was like not even a lunch, it was like a snack at the pool, which was like ten bucks. So it was like a hundred and forty six dollars, I believe, on our account as of that time, because they hadn't charged us the resort fee for the third day, and they wiped that out. But then I got charged for the resort fee for the third day. And, you know, I looked at what the price of the hotel room was and it was $269. So they were still actually only giving me credit for like two thirds of what he had said. And so I emailed him 
And it took him about four days to respond to me, uh, which, you know, is indicative of the service that I received, but they did take off the rest of the charge. So they ended up waiving our entire bill, of which was like $230, including the three nights of resort fees, plus uh, two days worth of snacks at the pool. And uh, we ended up leaving paying nothing for the stay, um, but it was really bad. And, and I'll just sort of kind of go through what I feel people should know about Atlantis, uh, things that, are, that I've documented and I will share on the website as well. Uh, Atlantis is owned by a company that is sort of a, you know, like a real estate property managed company, like a kind of like a hedge fund. And they bought the property several years ago and they've been trying to sell the property for a while. A company actually went into contract to buy the property last year and then backed out at the last minute saying, uh, there was significantly higher than expected deferred maintenance costs. And what that means is that the, the company that owns this property is not maintaining it. And that's indicative and in you, you see the pipe bursting. I actually walked through the coral towers um, later the next day uh, and uh, the day before we left. And I saw another pipe burst where they had just patched it up and it had just happened. They had fans blowing to dry off the carpet and everything else. Um, the rock work all over the property is now peeling and fading and just like sort of turning white from that corner, kind of brownish red. Um, the, the lazy river over by the Coral Towers is full of algae, uh, just algae everywhere. Even the main aquarium that's in the lobby, sort of the iconic aquarium that you see when you check in, is leaking. Part of it sh is closed off and they have towels along the floor because it's actually leaking water onto the floor. Sounds like paradise, man. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the rooms in the Royal Tower are look like a kind of like a Holiday Inn from 1995. Now, like I said, they are renovating them and the renovated rooms are, are pretty nice, but they're not really great either. They're sort of like a, like a nice kind of new Hyatt place. So they're kind of like a three star level, but they are like very attractive, I will say. And I really don't have a complaint about the new rooms other than, like you said, my peephole was missing. And, you know, none of the staff is friendly. They're almost they're They range from like indifferent to aggressively rude. And it's just like not a pleasant place to go. And I've talked to a lot of people about this since people who have seen it. And every, a lot of people have the same opinion that uh, it's just kind of a place that's falling apart. Now, I do think that the water park is really cool. Have either of you guys been there? I've been there to walk through like I haven't stayed there. So I've been to like the casino and the shops and the, the outdoor dining stuff. Everything, all that part was fine. It was just kind of like chaos though, like so many people. So that's why we've never stayed there. It just felt kind of like when you're walking through the strip in Vegas, how crowded it is. That's what it felt like. I mean, those areas were fine, but it wasn't anything that I was shocked, but I've always heard the pool is great. And that area is, is really cool. I just uh, crossed it off my list. So thanks, Sean. <laughs> and I and I don't feel bad about that at all. I think people should really consider crossing it off the list and reading the posts that I have with pictures so you can actually see for yourself what I experienced. I will say that the main pools are fine. They don't have algae in them. There are water slides there that are really cool, like the one, the infamous one that goes through the sharks. Or actually, there's two that go through like the shark tank. Um, There's some like water coaster kind of attractions. Um, there's a really cool uh, Rapids River that's sort of unique. But most of everything that's in that water park, you can find at other water parks. So it's not really uh, totally unique. But I, I don't I wouldn't have nothing against visiting Atlantis for the day to use the pools for the most part, uh, other than that algae lazy, lazy river, uh, which is pretty green. And actually, uh, I have a picture from when we were there a couple of years ago, and it's perfectly normal and blue. And then this year it was just completely green. So uh, I do know that it's not like an issue, just like it's not supposed to be green like that. It's That's just the way that it is. And it's just clear that they're just not maintaining this property. And then across the way, uh, Bahamar we stayed at, and that's a newer resort that just opened a couple of years ago, has over 2,000 rooms. 
And the service there wasn't like perfect, but that the rooms there are much higher quality and much better place. The pools are really good there. They don't have the water slides yet. They're building a water park, but it's just a much better sort of experience overall. And yeah, I mean, I just, I just have never experienced utter contempt for guests like I saw there. And it wasn't just towards us. I watched that same manager talk to another guest when I was, when I went back, you know, two and a half hours later, there was a guest actually standing there before I talked to her and she did the same thing to him. And I watched people at the pools be rude to guests. And I did occasionally see a friendly employee, but it was it was the exception and not the rule. And um, and the last thing I would say, the, the general manager, when I talked to him, he was just so aware of the social media. And he made sure that he knew that I knew that they were tracking what I had said on social media. And I think he kind of missed the point uh, of what they were doing. And I just think that the company that owns them wants to sell it. And until they do, um, I don't know that they're going to invest a whole lot of money in it. If you're going to be spending $400 a night, maybe consider that if you're only spending $80 and you're getting the free offer, like we, we've you know told people how to match and stuff like that, maybe it's still worth it to you if you're really interested in it. Um, but just be aware that it's not going to be a great experience. If you're they do have a luxury part of it that's called the Cove, which I've heard is very nice. So I'm not speaking to that, and I haven't been in those rooms, but they uh, do share that same property. So you're still going to see a lot of the fading rock work and, and you know, like the, you know, all the kind of cool things you see on TV. It all looks like it was like really nice and new 10, 15 years ago. And, you know, it's just faded with time and nobody's sort of spent any money to keep it up. So that's sort of what happened in Atlantis. Um, I, you know, I don't regret, I didn't pay anything. I stayed there for, for three nights. You know, I, I left there thinking that they should have paid me to stay there, honestly. Like that, that's how bad it was. And of course, I don't, I'm not asking them for anything, you know, but uh, you can't get your time back, right? You plan your vacation, you take time out of your family's life to go somewhere that's supposed to be really cool. And, uh, you know, ain't nobody got time for that. That's all I got to say. I, I would never recommend that anybody goes to Atlantis and waste their family's vacation at, at a place like that. I will say uh, one of the more known hacks for that is to to stay at the Comfort Suites Paradise Island, which is like right across the street from the Atlantis. And you can stay there for 25,000 choice privilege points, um, which is actually pretty affordable or the cash rates are better. And um, they have like their own pool and, and the rooms look like they're a little bit better quality and it's sweet. So they're a little bit more spacious. But the nice thing is you get access to the Atlantis pools, which is usually just for guests. So you get uh, the wristband and all that. So you can go to all the pools and the, the water slides and the lazy rivers and all that. So if you still want to hit that stuff, which Sean said is is still pretty good. Um, I would say stay at the comfort suites right across the street. Yeah. And Atlantis charges a, a zillion dollars to like cruise ship passengers. I don't know what the exact charge, but I know it's a lot of money. And so that's another good hack. If you're coming on a cruise ship uh, to Nassau and you want to do Atlantis and check out the water park, you can get a room there. A lot of people do that and they use the room for changing and all that. And then they go to the Atlantis water park and it's usually a lot cheaper than like buying the excursions and stuff like that. So I don't think that people shouldn't visit there. I just don't think people should stay there. Or if they do, just temper your expectations and just consider if it might if you're taking time out of your family's life to do this, you know, is it is there something else that you may have a better family vacation doing or even going to Baja Mar where the casino is significantly better? Um, the casino in, in Atlantis, if you're a gambler, I'm not, but is really smoky and small and sort of old fashioned. In Baja Mar, it's like a new Vegas casino and much you know brighter and, and fresher and, and, and the rooms are much more high, much higher quality. And the staff is better trained there, too. So. Uh, that's sort of my take on it. You know, I'd love to hear people, uh, their opinions of, of Atlantis if they stayed recently. And I don't have a problem if you stayed there and had a great stay. I, I'm not trying to, just trying to share my story and what happened to me. And it's all documented. It's all factual. 
everything I said has been documented with the hotel and with myself. So, uh, um, yeah, I just, I think people should know that that place is really, really bad and, you know, go in and understand what it is. And, uh, the marketing just doesn't match up with the uh, product that they're offering. All right. And let's, uh, move on to the rapid fire. Uh, one of our favorite deals is back Mark, right? Yeah, the Amazon deal where you can get uh, 20% off with using one uh, membership rewards point is back. And it looks like uh, people that were targeted last year are targeted again this year. And you can get up to $50 in savings uh, that works on stuff sold by Amazon, which includes third-party gift cards like Best Buy. Um, so it's an easy, quick 50 bucks to save. I bought $250 in Best Buy gift cards. I know other people have bought uh, you know, food and or whatever else they need from Amazon if they don't want gift cards. So check that out. We'll have a post on the website so you can check, click the link and see if uh, you were targeted for it, but just only use one membership reward point. That's all you need to do. Yeah, that's a good tip. Just make sure because it, sometimes it'll default to paying the whole thing with membership rewards. And I had that happen once and it was very, very difficult to get it reversed. And it's not a good redemption value if you're using rede- uh, membership rewards. But yeah, it's a great deal. And I know like over the years, I've saved like hundreds of dollars on these deals and they seem to keep targeting me on, on some of my Amazon accounts. I'm really happy about that. All right. And uh, move on to the next rapid fire. And actually speaking of Baja Mar, where I just talked about, there was a popular mistake rate last year that a lot of people booked and including myself, which is when I stayed there. And uh, we will, we'll talk a little bit more about mistake rates on the site and in the future on the podcast. But I just wanted the people to know that if you did book a Baja Mar kind of suite through this mistake rate, then they have changed the rates in the system. So you don't earn elite credit or points. And they did it very sneakily. They didn't tell anybody, but Hyatt will, Hyatt corporate will honor it. So you just need to contact Hyatt corporate and let them know that they changed the rate and they'll do that. And I have all the details on the site and we'll put the link in the, in the show notes on that one. All right. And you want to close this out, Mark, with our last rapid fire? Yeah, the last one was uh, we each picked a post or two from uh, 2019 that was our favorites. So like mine, one of mine was the Arby's Hawaii trip that I won for $6 for six hours on the beach, which was the most insane thing that's happened to me in travel related, I think. Sean, yours was uh, the Disney around the world in six weeks where you visited all the parks. Like Ian did his uh, Maximizing the Excursionist perk uh, with United, which is a great way to to max out your miles. And then uh, Ryan talked about uh, how United actually sold him an illegal ticket that left him stranded, which is probably the most interesting post, I think, of the group, because <laughs> it's just a crazy story. So definitely check that out. Yeah, lots of great posts, really kind of diverse topics. And that was a great idea. I think you came up with the idea to to, to write about that, you know, to cut for us all to pick our favorite posts. And uh, yeah, if you want to know what Miles to Memories is and what we like, check that out. And uh, that does it for this week. Joe, uh, you want to tell everybody where they can find you uh, when they're not listening to the Miles to Memories podcast? Yeah, you can find me podcasting about Miles and Points at SavarasteObservationDeck.com, podcasting for Disney beginners at DisneyDecipher.com, and you can also find me all over social media at As the Joe Flies. Mark? You can email me at Mark at MilesToMemories.com. Check out me in the Facebook group. Uh, I'm in there pretty much every day. There's links to it from our website, or just comment on any of my posts on Miles to Memories, and I'll uh, hit you back there. How about you, Sean? Yeah, find me on Facebook and we'll put links to the Miles to Memories Facebook groups in the in the description of this episode because we also have our Disney Hacks Facebook group, our reselling Facebook group. We have over a thousand members in Disney Hacks now. And actually, if you join uh, before the end of this week, uh, we're giving away a $50 gift card, Disney gift card to uh, to a random member for to celebrate a thousand people there. 
And we have like 3,000 in our reselling group, 11,000 in our miles and points group. And we love to chat about this stuff. So yeah, join us there. And then milestomemories.com and at milestomemories on uh, various social media. And uh, as a reminder, mtmpodcast.com is where you can find uh, all the links to subscribe to this show. Leave us a review if you like the show. Let everybody know about it. Tell a friend. And uh, until next week, uh, bye. See ya. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God.